0: It's only entertainment.
1: Coming up on We Talk News this week, Stephen Hoffman, Massachusetts Cannabis Commission Czar, resigns four months early. Plus, the U.S. government says basketball star Brittany Griner is being wrongfully detained by the Russian government after busting her for carrying a vape pen with hash oil. Huh? It is still a federally illegal substance in the U.S., right? President Biden's administration continues to get pressure for cannabis reform. Plus, a bad week for MSO Acreage Holdings. That $600 million lawsuit can proceed. And board member John Boehner gets accused of stealing data from a lobbyist. And pop quiz, Starbucks or cannabis? Which one had more sales in the U.S. last year? We'll tell you on We Talk News next.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to We Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto reporting for Pro Cannabis Media. In our top story this week, it seems the Biden administration may be changing its mind about incarceration over cannabis. At least if you're an Olympic athlete being detained overseas. This week, ESPN reported that the Department of State has determined that the Russian Federation has wrongfully detained US citizen Brittany Griner. This, of course, over the singular concentrate cartridge that was found in a piece of Griner's luggage while traveling through Russia. This is great news for Griner, but it begs the question why the feds aren't doing the same thing for US citizens locked up here at home. Leafley's Brett Barcott penned a column tackling the conversation who asked the public to put Biden's feet to the fire and to support causes like the Last Prisoner Project, which is actively fighting to free people locked up. So while the feds go back and forth on who shouldn't be behind bars for weed, there could be some movement in Congress. Senators on both sides of the aisle are throwing support behind a proposal to tuck key banking legislation into a larger bill. Safe banking legislation was featured in the House's version of the COMPETES Act, which passed in February. And Senator Patty Murray now says she is fighting every which way to get the cannabis legislation included in a final version of that bill. So let's take a closer look at what else is happening in DC with Vote Pro Podcast's Phil
3: Adams.
4: Hi, I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast, and this is the Weed Talk News DC Report. A GOP House member issued a scathing rebuke of President Biden over his administration's failure to pursue the cannabis reforms that he campaigned on. On a recent episode of his podcast, Firebrand, Florida Republican Matt Gates referred to the president as a, quote, recalcitrant boomer, saying Biden has yet to fulfill his 2020 campaign pledge to federally decriminalize cannabis and expunge the records of nonviolent cannabis offenders. Gates urged the president to, quote, do what you said you would do, and by the stroke of the president's pen, We could have substantial marijuana reform in this country. Gates is one of only three Republican House members to vote in favor of ending the federal cannabis prohibition. The Food and Drug Administration has stepped up enforcement action regarding the synthetic cannabinoid Delta-8 THC. This week the the FDA sent out letters to companies that market products containing Delta-8 warning them against making unsanctioned claims about its therapeutic benefits. The compound derived from legal hemp is especially popular in states where cannabis remains illegal because of the relative lack of laws that specifically prohibit it. The FDA says products claiming Delta 8 can treat or alleviate a range of conditions such as cancer, multiple sclerosis, and anxiety are unapproved and violate federal rules. You've heard the running joke about a Starbucks on every corner. Well, even the coffee mega-giant can't compete with cannabis. According to the 2022 MJBiz Factbook, U.S. sales of legal cannabis beat out Starbucks coffee by about a third. That's despite the fact that coffee can be sold in all 50 states, whereas cannabis is only legal in 39 states. While Starbucks generated revenues of about $20.5 billion in 2021, medical and adult-use cannabis sales Racked up between 24 and 27 billion. That also eclipsed sales of opioids, over-the-counter pain relievers and sleep aids, and even salty snacks. That's the Weed Talk News DC report for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast.
2: Another image blow for corporate cannabis former House Speaker John Boehner is notoriously unpopular with the legacy community, having spent most of his political career locking people up for cannabis, only to turn around a short time later and join the executive board at Acreage Holdings. Well, now Boehner is facing a bombshell lawsuit that doesn't bode well for the board's image. He had recently been exploring a deal to join a pro-cannabis lobbying group, but he apparently backed out of the deal. And this lawsuit accuses him of stealing data and talking points from that group before moving on to form a lobbying outfit of his own. We'll have to watch what happens with that lawsuit. But for now, let's see what else is happening in the business world with Deborah Borchardt and the Green Market Report.
3: I'm Deborah Borchardt, and this, is the business update for Weed Talk News. I'm reporting to you today from the United Nations, if you can believe that. I'm at a regenerative cannabis conference that's being held here at the UN, so that's really amazingly exciting. Um, Having said that, there's a lot going on in New York this week. There's the luxury meets cannabis conference today and tomorrow, and then Saturday is the cannabis parade in New York City. But besides the stuff happening in New York, we had a lot happening in the cannabis industry on the business side. So, this week we got earnings from big names like Scott's Miracle Grow, Weed Maps, and Green Thumb Industries. Now, Scott's Miracle Grow reported that their hydroponics segment, Hawthorne, saw the sales drop. Now, they've been warning about this for a couple of quarters, but it really happened. They said they don't expect hydroponics to recover until the end of 2022. Maps had an excellent report. That company, I feel like they're making money hand over fist. They're doing good, all good over at Maps. GTI, um, listen, they had a pretty good quarter considering the headwinds that they were facing. They're dealing with rising costs, prices falling, but on a positive note, they were one of the first companies to be able to sell adult-use cannabis in New Jersey, and so those numbers are going to hit the next quarter, and I think it's going to be all good for GTI from here on out. And that's it for this week. I'm Deborah Forchart with the business update for Weed Talk News.
2: Massachusetts' top cannabis regulator is giving up his position early. The Boston Globe reports the state's Cannabis Control Commission chairman, Steve Hoffman, resigned from his position last week, months before his term was set to come to an end. And with a closer look at what's next for the Bay State, here's Ron Marshallsee.
5: I'm Ron Marshallsee with the Massachusetts Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. The state's Cannabis Control Commission has been without a chairperson for a week, and the agency acknowledged Monday that Chairman Stephen Hoffman resigned from the job effective April 25th. According to WBUR local coverage, it is still unclear why the CCC went a week without acknowledging the resignation of its chairman. Treasurer Deborah Goldberg, who appointed Hoffman to the CCC, will now be charged with appointing Hoffman's successor. Root & Bloom, a cannabis cultivation, extraction, and manufacturing operation, announced Thursday that the Board of Directors has unanimously chosen Tom Reagan to be Chief Executive Officer. New CEO Tom Reagan was quoted as saying, Root & Bloom sits at the forefront of one of the most exciting new market opportunities in our country. I look forward to working with the team to develop products and brands that resonate with customers, and together we will unlock the potential in the Massachusetts cannabis industry and drive growth that benefits employees shareholders, and the communities in which we operate. Tom Reagan was president of Mindful TR Concentrates in Colorado, and under his leadership, the business scaled from $4 million in annual revenue to over $30 million in the highly competitive Colorado cannabis market. And finally, Ayer Wellness Incorporated, a U.S. multi-state cannabis operator, announced Wednesday they have expanded the product that is available in Massachusetts with the addition of its premium flower brand, Kine. Kind sales began in Massachusetts on April 29th, exclusively at Sierra Natural's dispensaries. Each unique strain included in the initial launch, Mr. Nasty, Orangutan Skittles, and Fresh Squeezed, according to the company, boast a premium genetic profile and will be made available to the broader adult use market in the near future. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsey.
2: Efforts to make adult use cannabis in New Hampshire a reality may not be dead yet. While the state Senate recently voted down two bills for legalization, Democratic Representative Tim Egan says representatives are still working hard to keep up with the Granite State's neighbors in New England.
1: So now we're sending it back to the Senate. What the best part about this is, is that it does not go to the Senate floor and have to be voted on. It goes to what they call Committee of Conference which means the Senate passed a bill, the House passed a bill. Both of those bills passed are a little bit different, so we sit down at the table and we negotiate them. So New Hampshire is going to look at those states and say, other states are doing things that we're missing, and we're going to lose out. We're going to lose investors. We're going to lose entrepreneurs. We're going to lose people that want to come here and run businesses who might be of diverse background, and they look for the advantage. A smart business person looks for the advantage. And if, New, if Massachusetts has a financial tool that helps fund uh, those that are, have been disadvantaged, if Vermont is developing training programs with their state colleges to educate those that have been disadvantaged, well, disadvantaged, then, then folks in New Hampshire are going to have to get on the, the same wavelength. Otherwise,
2: we'll be left out in the cold. Next door in Vermont, legal weed sales could be postponed, but not for legal reason. The state's Cannabis Control Board says a staffing shortage will likely push back the start of sales. An additional postponement to what was supposed to be an operating market by October of last year. Jessie Lynn Dolan takes a closer look in this week's Vermont Report.
6: I'm Jessie Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. The Vermont Cannabis Control Board approved the social equity status of eight cultivator applications and approved 18 pre-qualification applications. However, due to a staffing shortage, they won't be issuing licenses for at least a few weeks. They also haven't received any applications from existing medical dispensaries for adult use integrated licenses. While the existing medical dispensaries were allowed by law to start selling adult use cannabis on May 1st, most don't expect to be ready until the fall. Vermont Normal is in the middle of a five-week virtual fundraiser on Strava to support their legislative efforts. Fundraising participants in the Vermont Normal Strava Club are using the app to track their miles as they bike, run, walk, swim, skate, ski, and hike. Wilmington held a pre-town meeting informational hearing about their commercial cannabis article, Revote, on Tuesday, May 10th. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. i Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan.
2: Advocates in Missouri say they've collected nearly twice as many signatures as they need to put the adult-use cannabis on the November ballot. But some worry a GOP controlled legislator could still stall those efforts. So let's check in with Brandon Jones for this week's Missouri report. Hey everybody, it's
7: Brandon Jones again from Distribution Maven with the Missouri Candice Report for We Talk News. And yeah, the legislature is really starting to heat up here in Missouri. So we had Representative Ron Hicks try to pass his movement to be, his bill to be pushed on this actual session for the legislature. And Monday it was pushed back when they were supposed to meet on it again. So that this session doesn't look like it's gonna be able to happen here for Representative Ron Hicks. He still has less than two weeks, but he said he you know, is optimistic, but you know, is trying to be realistic at the same time. So he's calling for everybody out here that wants this to you know, be met in this session to come out and peacefully protest to just be out there and say, hey, we want to be heard. This is something that we want to be you know, addressed in this session. At the same time, they actually released that it will be on the ballot in November for a different one of the bills. So out of marijuana moment, there's a story that the new bill will be put on the ballot in November. So this is, you know, like I said, everybody's pushing back. There's a lot of time between now and November for a lot more things to be put on hold and much more amendments to be added. Right now, the bill that they're placing on the ballot in November calls for adult use. They can actually, all adults will be able to grow, have, possess, and actually sell cannabis here in the state of Missouri. So we'll see if that actually makes it to, to actually being, you know, voted on here in November or not. On a little bit of a lighter note, one of the biggest uh, MSO companies here is actually coming to Missouri now. So everybody knows of Cookies. So Cookies is now partnered with my buddy Sense Cannabis to cultivate for their product here in the state of Missouri. So one of the biggest MSOs, you know, in the country is gonna be here in Missouri as well too. So we'll see how that all uh, incorporates here in the state. Again, I'm Brandon Jones from Distribution of the Missouri Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Have a great week. Stay medicated and educated, guys.
2: Lawmakers and advocates in Washington state sending another bold message to Congress about protecting cannabis businesses and their money. This week, the governor, attorney general, and other top officials sent a letter to congressional leaders emphasizing the urgent need to pass banking reform as a public safety imperative, particularly for Washington state. Josh Kincaid takes a closer look.
8: I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. A new survey of Washington voters found a majority support for an initiative that would decriminalize all drugs statewide, expunge criminal records for possession, and direct $141 million in revenue to outreach and recovery services. Generally speaking, most people in Washington who say they're concerned about substance use believe that criminalizing it has been a demonstrated failure and prefer a public health approach to addressing it. In 2001, Portugal decriminalized the personal possession of all drugs, which resulted in rates of drug use that have remained consistently below the EU average, drug-related deaths that have remained below average, and the proportion of prisoners sentenced for drugs has fallen from 40 to 15 percent. This could help Washington, where there were three fatal incidences involving a cannabis dispensary robbery in less than a week last month in the western part of the state. Next week you guys are find out about Washington State's cannabis report. With that, we're gonna have to roll up this Washington State cannabis report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Heads reporting for Weed Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.
2: Could Pennsylvania be feeling the pressure to legalize? A pair of bipartisan proposals suggest the Commonwealth may be closer to legalization than ever before. And with neighboring states like Maryland, New York, and New Jersey establishing their own private adult-use cannabis markets, the Keystone State may want to strike while the iron is hot. Claudia Post has much more from Pennsylvania this week.
0: I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'm here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, reporting for Weed Talk News. Well, those of us in Pennsylvania are now surrounded by markets which have both recreational and adult use. So, what is Pennsylvania feeling when Maryland, New York, and New Jersey have their own private adult use markets? It's going to take away from Pennsylvania. So the General Assembly, in its wisdom, took steps to learn more about recreational cannabis legalization. And there were a series of hearings My question is always, why didn't they do this before? Why didn't they educate themselves before? Because as I always like to say, it's Philadelphia and Pittsburgh with pencil tucky in between. Anyway, let's have fingers crossed for adult use, home grow, and the whole shoot and match. Next up, now this really struck me is so self-serving. State Representative Daniello Burgos, a Democrat, of Philadelphia introduced legislation that would revoke medical cannabis licenses from entities with ties to Russian businesses. Now friends, I don't know, is anybody investigating those, all of the cannabis industry in Pennsylvania? Has anybody dropped a dime on somebody who's gotten an investment from Russia? I don't know because all I know is this person Mr. Burgos wants to get a name for himself perhaps and jumps on the bandwagon of, of searching out Russian businesses because he says, Russian businesses cannot profit from medical cannabis in the Penso- in Pennsylvania. Hey, he wants to revoke all their licenses for anybody that was in that, uh, getting any funds from from Russia. Okay. Next up is Pennsylvania House lawmakers filed a companion bill to a state passed measure this week that would provide banking protections and state relief for marijuana businesses. And I say, bravo, that's terrific. And considering I just made a comment about how Pennsylvania is is very far reaching and thoughtful. The state version was amended as it moved through the body before final passage. Both bills would provide state level protections to banks and insurers that work with medical cannabis businesses in the Keystone State. However, the newer House bill also contained a provision concerning tax credits for eligibility for the market that was removed from the state measures in committee. So, of course, we always have things bouncing around the legislature and. I find it very frustrating when they just pass the damn bill and protect people who are in the marijuana industry, period. That's a wrap from Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'll be back next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania. From We Talk News, have a fabulous week. Lawmakers in Florida seem to be
2: getting fiery over cannabis legislation. On a recent podcast, Representative Matt Gates referred to President Biden as a recalcitrant boomer, criticizing the president for taking no action on his campaign promise of cannabis reform. And to add fuel to Florida's fire, Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed also called out the federal government this week, penning an op-ed for Marijuana Moment, in which she said the feds need to catch up to the industry's needs. Heather Allman takes a closer look at what's happening in Florida this week.
9: It's time for the Weekly Florida Report from We Talk News. I'm Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report. Regulators are currently reviewing applications received from Black farmers for one highly sought-after license to grow cannabis in Florida. Last year, the Department of Health began moving forward to award the license, and the Office of Medical Marijuana Use accepted license applications between March 21st and 25th. Licenses were newly made available because of the Pickford class action lawsuit and the growing number of patients. But after five years, it's still unclear when a decision will be made on who will get the license. While the DOH won't say how many applications for the license targeted to black farmers were received, a list was posted Thursday on the department website showing the names of 12 applicants with no additional information provided. Supposedly, the state's Office of Medical Marijuana Use is making sure submitted applications are not going to Expose confidential and exempt information to the public. So for now, the wait continues. Just like other cannabis states, Florida has seen a huge increase in doctors, consumers, and dispensaries in the last few years thanks in part to the pandemic. In fact, cannabis is one of the few industries in the world that grew during COVID. Home deliveries, more people looking for something to deal with stress, and cannabis being declared essential in the U.S. have all led to this steep market increase. And, personally, I can't disagree that cannabis is indeed essential. Florida's patient numbers have soared since 2016, with the state's registry showing 713,000 people with approved ID cards as of April 29th. That's more than double the number in early 2020, and the number will only continue to steadily rise. In addition, hundreds of new doctors have become licensed to dispense cannabis, and a mere 22 companies have opened approximately 420 retail dispensary locations. Yes, you heard that right, 420 Since operating companies in Florida must be vertically integrated, the framework quickly produced some of major players like TrueLeave, who has 115 locations and 600 different medical cannabis products for sale. No wonder they have a market share above 55% in the Sunshine State. And speaking of Trueleaf, last week, Trulieve's CEO was awarded the Green Market Report Women's Leadership Award in the C-suite category. Green Market Report is a publication that focuses on the financial news of the rapidly growing cannabis industry and its women's leadership awards are meant to honor female and female-identifying cannabis professionals. Other award categories included activism, social equity, cultivation, and media. In selecting Rivers, the judges noted that she is the only female CEO of a publicly traded company in the cannabis industry, and they highlighted Truly's recent acquisition of Harvest Health and Recreation brokered under Rivers' leadership. She was also instrumental in Trulieve's environmental, social, and governance report, which was the first of its kind from an American MSO. It covers the non-financial aspects of the business, such as diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, which have become increasingly important to investors. Truly was one of the first five Florida companies in 2015 to be permitted to cannabis cultivate, and their business came fully online after Amendment 2 went into effect in January 2017. They have since opened locations across 11 states, and with Trueleaf's purchase of harvest for $2.2 billion last year, the Tallahassee-based company became the largest legal cannabis corporation in the nation. In response to the award, River said, quote, "'It's an honor to be recognized "'among so many talented leaders "'who are redefining this industry. "'I look forward to a future "'when female leadership is ubiquitous with the C-suite.'" That's a wrap for the We Talk News Florida Report. I'm Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report, and I'm still impatiently waiting for a long overdue new license to be awarded.
2: Medical marijuana patients in Michigan may finally be seeing the kickback of falling cannabis prices. While the cost of medical weed seems to be dropping at the counter for consumers, small-time growers may now be the ones taking a hit. And regulators in the state have their eyes set on social equity education this week in order to help support those smaller businesses. With that, here's Michigan Normal Executive Director Rick Thompson.
10: Hello again. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. A homeless man was arrested in Fort Wayne, Indiana, for selling cannabis and medibles on the street. In an unsurprising twist, he claims he bought them in Michigan and brought them over state lines to sell in his hometown. The 40-year-old man was arrested with 114 grams of cannabis and three packages of Monster Gummies. He was apprehended in a traffic stop where it was discovered he had two outstanding warrants, and was driving his 2009 Pontiac on a suspended license. Despite being homeless, he had $5,000 on him when arrested. He told officers he regularly makes a run for the border to bring back high THC items to the cannabinoid-deprived citizens of Indiana and sometimes trades cannabis for places to sleep overnight. Fort Wayne police blame Michigan for their spike in cannabis flower and product seizures lately. Last year, they seized 122 pounds of cannabis, and more than 8,700 edibles. Well, a man in Detroit bolted a cannabis vending machine to the side of his home and sold both cannabis and pills to anyone who walked up. So says the Federal Bureau of Investigation, who thought the idea was so rad, they went ahead and bought cannabis from the vending machine twice. This Detroiter had the machine in operation for the last four years, per the complaint. Now we're making fun of the situation, but the suit alleges that the owner of the house and machine sold narcotics and guns to kids, so it's not a very funny story at all. The homeowner is a felon and is not legally able to own guns, but had 18 of them in his possession when arrested. The man made up to $2,000 per day with the machine, and the government says he raked in more than $1.6 million over the four-year period. He faces multiple charges, from a variety of law enforcement agencies. In Genesee County, where I live, has notoriously been a place where cannabis freedoms have been respected. But that's not going to be the case for one woman in Clio. In August, she bought THC oil and made gummies from them, then put the gummies in a Lifesavers gummy package and hid them in her fridge. Her child recently found the gummies and brought them to Egerton Elementary School, where multiple children shared the treats and became sick. The school was shut down and all the kids sent home as they investigated the cause of the illness they initially suspected a gas leak until they learned about the gummies. Now David Layton, county prosecutor, wants to charge the woman with a 10-year felony for second-degree child abuse, even though all the kids were fine and are back in school. Everyone agrees the incident was unintentional, but that hasn't stopped the authorities from laying big charges on the mom. It seems that an unfortunate accident can bring heavy consequence down upon cannabis consumers, even if they live in a place where canna-tolerance has been part of the culture for more than a decade. Never forget that there are those people in power who are just waiting for a slip-up for a mistake in order for them to revert back into prohibitionist days and prohibitionist ways. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News.
2: And finally, move over corporate coffee. Cannabis is coming for your money. According to the 2022 MJ Biz Factbook, regulated cannabis sales in the US have bubbled over, eclipsing sales at Starbucks across the country. The report says Starbucks revenue grew 25% during 2021, while legal cannabis sales climbed 30%. It's pretty incredible when you consider coffee is legal in all 50 states, Uh, but it looks like more people are now considering cannabis over caffeine. And why not? After all, it's a whole new world of weed out there and remember to use it responsibly. That's it for Weed Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto reporting for Pro Cannabis Media. We'll see you next time.
8: Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got.